Um, well, let's go ahead and let's get into today's message here. If you all wouldn't mind standing, if you do mind standing anyway. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 43. If you're watching online, please go ahead and stand with us, okay? Um, Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, if you have a notebook, get out your notebook, okay? Because this is... This Isaiah 43, 25 is instrumental for all Christians, all right? It's instrumental. If you don't have a notebook, borrow your neighbor's pen and write it on your arm. Listen to this. This is God talking. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I'm going to read that one more time. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. This is important. There's a peace here in this, right? He's talking about he's going to forgive us for whose sake? Not for our sake. Not for yours or yours. He's forgiving our transgressions, never remembering our sins for his own sake. Why? Because at the beginning, you were created for him. You were created because he wanted a relationship with you. And sin has entered into this world and darkness is coming into this world and we now live in this fallen and broken society that's, that's covered with all the stuff that we hate. All the stuff we hate about ourselves. All the stuff we hate about other people. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. Close to Close your eyes with me and and just listen to this. This is God talking directly to you. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. You can have a seat. So today we're talking about this idea of forgiveness. We're talking about uh, this idea specifically of God's forgiveness. Anybody ever had to apologize in here? Yeah, anybody? A few of you. Okay, good. For all of those that didn't raise your hands, we're talking about pride and ego next week. (laughs) Encourage you to come back. It's going to be a really good one, I'm sure of it. (laughs) And uh, no, so yeah, we've all had to apologize, right? Every one of us has had to apologize for something. Um, I am going to have to probably apologize for setting the room up like this for you. Um, there were many confused looks, which have been silly. Yes. Lots of times. Okay, especially if you're married. All right. So I'm going to be honest and, and tell you a secret of mine. That's not a secret. My wife knows about this. So <clears throat> I, I just want to start the story out by telling you that I was being a good husband. All good stories start out like that. I was really trying to be a good husband, and so we have three children, and we had a a pile of dishes in the sink that I needed to clean, because somehow children use a lot of dishes, and I don't know know why. It's like they go through clothes the same way. It's like, why why did you change clothes again? I just saw them there, wanted to. So I was was trying to help lighten the load a bit, and I'm cleaning, and, and you ever get a zone, like into a zone and cleaning, or you're like making stuff happen? There's like two people nodding their head, and everybody else is like, no, nah, buddy, you're on your own on that one. Okay. So I was in a zone, man, and I was cleaning and scrubbing and then putting them in the dishwasher, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense why I'm going to clean it and then put it in the dishwasher, but I do. So I'm scrubbing and whatnot, and uh, any Pampered Chef fans out there? 
A few of you, a few of you. Okay, so you know there are some things that you're supposed to clean certain ways. Yeah, so I found a pan that needed to be cleaned. It was a stone pan. I was being a good husband, okay? Here's the thing. If you don't know about stoneware, you're not supposed to clean it with soap. Whoever created this idea is a genius, by the way. I'm pretty sure I know the story of how it happened. There was a bunch of people over, and they're like, they saw a guy washing the pan, and he didn't do a very good job. And like, hey, you got to use soap on that, dude. They're like, oh, no, it's made like that. You don't have to use soap. You're supposed to leave it there. It adds flavor <laughs> to your stuff. That's what happened. But I, you know, okay, so we have this, this expensive stone bar pan, and I am in my zone being a good husband, and I spray it down with some soap, and I'm scrubbing. And you ever make it about halfway through doing something and realize that you're really messing up, so you start, like, slowing down? And everything is in slow motion. Oh, no. And I look over my shoulder, and sure enough, Hannah is looking over my shoulder, trying not to die on the spot. Um, and, and thankfully, she was really nice. I apologized. I was like, I'm sorry. I was trying my best to be a good husband and help. And I put soap on the dishes that I was trying to clean. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she was... She was willing to forgive me, thankfully, but, um, you know, there, there are more serious things in life that you have to apologize for. You know, as a, as a husband and wife, there have been many times that we apologize on a weekly, sometimes daily basis, hourly, minutely basis, uh, that we have to apologize. A lot, a lot of different serious things that you can encounter in life, um, and, and here's, here's a story that, that is uh, more serious. Um, whenever I had to apologize one time, Pastor Marvin, would you mind coming up here for me? Pastor Marvin, everybody, say hello. <clears throat> so there was this one time that um, I got to meet Pastor Marvin and start hearing a little bit about his story. And um, first, you have to understand a little bit of my backstory, okay? My backstory, I was raised in a, in a neighborhood that was well diversified, okay? We had white people, black people, Hispanic people. I, I, that's who I grew up around. Um, and going uh, to high school, middle school, all of that, I, 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 it was a majority black middle school and high school that I went to. So I grew up not really thinking anything of race. Um, I just thought that some guys could run faster than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another funny story. I'll tell not today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I grew up not thinking anything about race. Uh, and so then I became an adult and, um, started, uh, listening into politics cause that's good for me. Um, and, uh, listening to media coverage and, and all of this. And, uh, for a, quite a long time, I believed, you know, man, race, race relations are fine. There's nothing wrong uh, with racism in this world. I, I believe that. I believe, man, it's just political hype and media garbage. And then I met Marvin, and, uh, you know, this man is brave enough to share his story with me. And uh, he and I start talking, and um, I'll never forget whenever he told me that there's a customer that he has to visit that because he's black, 
will not allow him to enter in the front door, but he has to enter in through the back door. I didn't know. You know, and he, he's telling me about some of his experiences at the grocery store. And man, for the longest time, I was just like, no, it's just, just political hype and media garbage. It's not real. And until I sit across from this man and listen to his stories, and I, I just had to apologize. And I said, Marvin, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, there's more serious stuff, you know, besides bar pans that we have to apologize for, right? Here's the thing. This, this message this morning, it's not, it's not three ways to forgiveness. It's not three ways to an apology. Um, to be quite honest, I, you know, I've got to be real with you. I don't feel qualified to teach you three steps to forgiveness or three steps to an apology. You know, because... Everybody's got different situations. Everybody's got different circumstances in their life. I've got a sister that I haven't spoken to in 20 years. Anybody identify with that? Yeah, I know I'm not the only one. You know, the last time I spoke to my sister, I was 12 years old. I don't know why she stopped talking to us. I think she lives in South Carolina, but I don't know. How do I, how do I forgive that? How do I work three steps into that? I mean, that's just me being honest. And I don't, I don't need somebody to come up afterwards and say, oh, yeah, you know, you just got to let God work on your heart and all of this. I, I get it. I, I promise I get it. But, you know, can I be honest with you? Sometimes living out the life of Christ is a whole lot harder than just a three steps to whatever. And so today, I don't want to give you three steps to anything, but what I do want to do is I want to show you a little bit about God's forgiveness and how God sees forgiveness. Because if I could pray anything for this service, it would be that God would do a work in us. And you know what? No matter what steps are taken after today, if God's doing it and we're, and we're allowing him to work through us, it's going to be good. Let's go, to, let's go to Genesis chapter 31. Genesis chapter 31. As we get into this, I'm going to need some volunteers. I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. You want, okay, come on, buddy. You, you come on right up here. You sit right there for me. You're Jacob today. Everybody say hello to Bentley. This is Jacob Bentley. His real name is Bentley. We're going to call him Jacob, all right? I need one more volunteer. Come on, one more volunteer. Oh, I see your hand first. I'm sorry. Come on. You're going to sit right over here across from him. This is Laban. Jacob, you're mad at Laban, okay? Um, so he gave you the wrong wife. How about that? This is a weird conversation to have with an eight-year-old. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to go to chapter 31 here. And we're going to be talking about what's called the meal of reconciliation. Everybody say meal of reconciliation. 
the meal of reconciliation. Now, this is not a phrase that you will hear used in the Bible, but you will see it illustrated time and time and time again in the Bible. Uh, this is a common practice. It's from uh, the word shulhan or table. I'm sure I messed up the Hebrew on that, but it means table. And uh, the meal of reconciliation would happen whenever there were offended parties, all right? So maybe you offended him, maybe he offended you, maybe you both offended each other, which is what happened in this case. So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory here. Uh, so Jacob decides to go to uh, his relative Laban uh, and uh, decides that he wants to work for him in order to uh, have access to a wife, uh, Laban's daughter. All right, Laban's daughter, Rachel. So he works for her. Dude, you worked for seven years for Rachel. Yeah, you should be proud of yourself. That's hard work, man. Um, so he works for seven years for Rachel. And then Laban, you sneaky son of a gun, uh, he gives him Leah instead, the other daughter. So now he has to work an additional seven years. Total time that Jacob worked for Laban was 20 years. 20 years you worked for this man, and he hasn't been very kind to you. So you have a problem with that. So Jacob takes his whole family. God says, all right, Jacob, it's time for you to go, man. Uh, Laban is not being kind, and he's got some evil in his heart, so you need to pick up all your people and head out. So Jacob does just that, and he leaves. Now, the problem is, is that Rachel, your wife, uh, she decides to take Laban's household idols. So now Laban's mad at Jacob. And Laban takes off, right? And now y'all have met together. And this is where we're going to pick up, because now they are having heated words with each other. They're very angry, uh, both on, on different accounts here. And we're going to go to verse 54. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain and returned to his place. This is the idea of the meal of reconciliation. So one or both of you would have an offense against the other. And so you could call a meal. And this meal uh, was designed so that you could work through your issues. You would come to the table and start working out now, what, what did you do, or what did I do, or, or however? It doesn't have to have a leader of the meal. You can just talk together, and, and it could take uh, a couple of hours. It could potentially take a couple of days, if necessary, depending on the offense. And then, at the end of that meal, y'all would part ways as friends, and the offense was as if it never happened. That is a key to the meal of reconciliation. Whenever you depart... That sin is as if it never occurred in the first place, and you're never allowed to bring it up again. Thank you, guys. Y'all can go be seated. So, as we look at this meal of reconciliation, I want to take a look at, at uh, somebody where we're going to spend a little bit more time. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, if y'all could go ahead and switch over there. Now, as we get into uh, the idea of Peter here, that's where we're going to focus our attention is on Peter and Jesus. Uh, you need to understand a little bit about discipleship. For those of you who know me well, you know that I talk often about discipleship because I love the idea of discipleship. Now, um, for those of you who have not heard me talk about this, discipleship. Discipleship is the idea that you want to be exactly like your rabbi. You go and you find a rabbi and you say, hey, Rabbi Nora, I want to be just like you. Oh, that's great. Perfect. 
So not just I want to learn from you, I want to study what you're doing, but I want to be exactly like you are in the way that you think, the way that you operate, the way that you move, the way that you bless people. I want the only difference between me and you to be our physical appearance. That's going to be the only difference. And then we would spend 15 years following that rabbi to be exactly like him. Now, if you wanted to go be a disciple, you'd have to find a rabbi that you wanted to be like, and you would approach him and say, Rabbi, am I good enough to be like you? Now, that rabbi would then start asking you a series of questions to make sure that you were well-trained and well-understood, and, and then at the end of it, if you were not good enough, he would look at you and say, I believe that you're God-fearing, I believe that you're well-studied, but you're not good enough to be just like me. Go and take up your trade. Now, on the other hand, if you were good enough to be just like that rabbi, at the end of the questions and answers, he would then look to you and say, come, follow me. And what the rabbi is saying is, you are good enough to be exactly like me. Now, that's, that's interesting because what did Jesus say to all of his disciples that he found already taking up their trade? It's okay, you can say it. Right. He said, follow me. Now, we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 14. Verse 66 is where we're going to start. And here's what happens, okay? So uh, Jesus is now being interrogated. He's being interrogated. He's being spit on, uh, slapped, beaten at this point. And Peter is witnessing the whole thing. Now, verse 66, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out on the porch. Servant girl saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, hey, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. After a little while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But Peter began to curse and swear, I do not know this man that you are talking about. Now it's agreed amongst uh, Jewish rabbis today that if any disciple were to say, I do not know this man, that is grounds for immediate disqualification as a disciple. You would be separated, and you wouldn't be allowed to follow that rabbi anymore. Because for saying, initially, I want to be who you are. So then to somebody come and say, hey, aren't you like, and you say, oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't have anything to do with that guy. I don't know who he is. I don't want to know who he is. I don't want to be around him, let alone be like him. Yep, you're done disqualified, don't come back. And that's where we find Peter. Let's go to John chapter 21. <clears throat> John chapter 21. Now, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Pay attention to, to what time this is here as to the, the, the appearance of Jesus. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. 
So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. I want to pause, and I said this last service, and I feel like it pertains to this service too. If I, I think here Peter... So you notice that Peter wasn't the one that recognized it as the Lord. It was John. John told Peter, hey, that's Jesus. I think there was some sort of guard up, some sort of blinders up on Peter's heart. Maybe, the, maybe there were blinders that he put there himself. But he didn't know that it was Jesus. And whenever he realized who it was, he threw himself into the water. He's like, man, this boat isn't fast enough for me. i got to get to Jesus. If you are here this morning and you have spiritual blinders on, you have a guard that's up from a past experience with sickness, a past experience with poverty, a past experience with a loved one dying, and you've been turning and running from God, maybe you're an atheist who's mad at God. Get out of the boat. Just... Just get out of the boat because Jesus is here. Jesus is here and he has a message for you that we're about to see. But about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid. Here's a a side note for you. Anytime you see burning coals, that's talking about the presence of God. So whenever you see in Scripture where they say, you know, heap burning coals on your enemy, you know what they're saying? They're not saying, uh, you know, be nice just for the sake of being nice and it'll make them angry. You're heaping burning coals on their head. No, no, no. It says that there's where the presence of God is going to be. There's charcoal fire already laid and the fish placed on it. God's presence is here. And bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, and 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. This is starting to look like a little bit of a meal of reconciliation to me. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. It's the same thing that he said to him the first time he met him. You're good enough. Man, in this moment, this is such an incredible moment. Such an incredible moment. Because I, I feel like in Jesus' head and, and in Peter's head, this is the third time after the resurrection that he's made himself known. And he asked him three times, do you love me? I think he's recounting the night. They're sitting down to the meal and they're going back and forth about the offense. And he says, Simon, son of John, you remember that night? servant girl, she came up to you. She said, you're one of them. You remember what you said, Simon? He said, I, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. You remember that? Yes, Lord. Okay. Shepherd my sheep. Simon, son of John, what about whenever you went out on the porch? Huh? You remember that time? Servant girl came back up to you and you denied me again? You remember that? Yes, Lord. So do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, tend my lambs. Simon? Simon, son of John, do you remember? You remember what you said to me? You saw me over there, and these bystanders came to you. They said, you are one of them. You began to curse and swear. I do not know this man. Remember that? I do. So, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. I'm so sorry. Tend my sheep. And then he goes on and he says, you remember how, how I died? You remember how I died? up on a cross the first day that we met I told you you could be just like me didn't you say that you wanted to be just like me yes Lord. you know how you're going to die the same way I did today the message is still the same that it was before you denied me three times Follow me. 
you can be good enough to be just like me. I know that you denied me, but the meal is over. We've recounted the offense. Now it's time for us to move on. I, even I, will wipe out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins because I don't want to remember them. I want you with me. And I know that you're recounting it in your head, but Peter, I just want you to know you're good enough to be just like me. I don't know I don't know the offenses in this room. I guarantee you, every single person in this room has an offense against them right now. I want you to know what I prayed this morning, what I've been praying all week. I prayed, God, let people with an offense in this church sit across from each other. If you were in here thinking that this message was not for you and you look across the room this morning, and you see someone that you have an offense with, this message was for you. And I'm not gonna give you three steps, but I want you, at the end of this service, if you're sitting across the room from somebody, go find them. Go find them. Have a meal. I need one more really brave volunteer. You, come on. Will you sit right there for me? They walk away from this meal, this meal of reconciliation and They've recounted the offenses, and now Jesus has said, I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. You can be just like me. I believe that. But Peter, there's still one more person that you have to forgive. That one person is going to be the hardest person that's always going, it's always going to be there. Forgive yourself. See, Jesus has already left this meal and forgiven you. We'll sit next to you. He's already forgiven you. But now it's time for you to walk away from the meal ready to forgive yourself. You've got to be able to look yourself in the face and and have this meal, the offense. Look at yourself and then stand up and walk away and never bring it up again. God has made you a new creation, sweetheart.
got a lot of people that you've got to be able to look yourself in the mirror. Peter, Jesus has already said, you're good enough to follow me. Peter, get out of the boat. He gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water and then he sees the wind and the waves and he starts to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And so he reaches up to Jesus and Jesus is like, you have little faith. You could be just like me. I'm walking. You should be walking. You should have enough faith in yourself that I've called you. You are my disciple. You are my loved one. I created you to be with me. You're where you're supposed to be. I know that you denied me. I know that you slept around. I know that you were addicted. I know that you made bad decisions. I know you ended your marriage. I know all of it. Nothing is is outside of my sight. Nothing. I've seen all of it. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins let's go to Revelation 3.20 and we'll close this is Jesus talking behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me it sounds an awful lot like a meal of reconciliation I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. We're about to go into a time of worship. And I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to sit right here. And there are two types of people in this service that I want to come and sit on that bench. And I'm going to stand in the gap and apologize. If you have been burned by a church or Christians in general, and you've never gotten that time of reconciliation, you didn't run from Jesus, you ran from the church. Because the church lets you down. Christians let you down. Not Jesus. And you need somebody to sit here and apologize for all of the mistreatment done to you, done to your family. I'm going to apologize on behalf of the church. If there's somebody in your life who has passed that you never got a chance to reconcile with, I'm gonna apologize for the person in your life who has passed away. And then I pray that God does something miraculous in this place. Let's worship.
for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.